my money in the bank. At least I could have gotten some interest on it. And then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Giving generously starts with stewardship. It starts with stewardship. And if we want to be good stewards, then the first thing from this story that we have to recognize is that we have to know who God is. We have to know who we serve. We have to know who we serve. We can't just know his identity. All three of the servants knew the identity of the person they served. They knew the name of the person that they served. They could have said, yes, it's master so-and-so. Yes, it's the guy with the red beard. Yes, it's him. It's the one who went on the long journey. Yes, it's that guy. They knew him, but one of them didn't understand his character. He didn't understand his character. He said, I, 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 don't, I don't trust myself. You trusted me with this, but I don't trust your trust in me. So I, I'm going to bury this rather than use it. I'm going to bury this rather than risk it because I am afraid. They didn't understand his character. They didn't understand that he had put something into their hands, knowing that if they would just put the investment where it needed to be, that it would grow because it was the gift that would grow right? Didn't trust. So first, we have to know who we serve. Second, we have to know who we are. We have to know who we are. If we're going to be, if we're going to be stewards, we have to know who we are. Julietta's hilarious, my little three-year-old, and she has all kinds of names for herself. I don't know where she gets them. I don't. She is Malia and, and Tania and all kinds of, of names all the time. And, and, and I think it's just the cutest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. And so she goes through spurts where she'll be like, you have to call me Mary. <laughs> okay, Juju, can you? My name is Mary. And if you call her Mary, she will obey. So I call her Mary. She's pretending, but sometimes we live our lives that way too. We don't know who we are. We are stewards. That is who we are. We are stewards. And if we're going to understand who we are, we have to know what we have been given. And we've been given so much. We've been given so much. And you may say, well, other people have been given more than me. That's not what I'm saying. We have to know what we have been given. And we've all been given a measure of time and energy. We've all been given a measure of time and energy. And, and stewardship says that I understand that I have a choice how I invest, who I give that time and energy to. How I take what I have been given from God and how I invest it in the world. That's what stewardship says. Stewardship means that I see everything that I've been given as first a gift from God. So my time, my energy, 
And then the results of my time and energy, which are my abilities and my resources, they don't belong to me. I am a steward. But we can't use that as a way of excusing ourselves from making great choices. I've heard people say to me, oh, well, it's just all God's. He can do whatever he wants with it. No. He gave it to you. To you. To steward. To make decisions about. To make wise choices with. He gave it to you. And when we invest those times and, and energies, we get abilities. So when we invest time and energy, some of you had your time and energy invested for you, right? As a young child, we get our time and energy invested for us. We are sent to school. And that produces certain abilities, doesn't it? But later on, we have to choose to invest our time and energy. College is the result of an investment in time or energy. Learning a language, music, other skills. It's just simply an investment of time or energy. And you may have a natural talent. You may say, well, I just, you know, I'm naturally talented. Is that? That's great. But talent or gifting is just a fertile field for investment. All it means is that you can get with five hours what it would cost me 20 hours to get. That's all that it means. And we use it as roadblocks for um, moving forward in our life because we look at one person and we say, well, they're gifted. That's great. But that just means that you're going to have to invest more time and energy to do what they can do. But we know the story of the tortoise and the hare. It's not in the Bible, but it's a principle of stewardship. It doesn't matter how gifted you are. If you don't invest time and energy into your gifting, someone who has no time or energy has no gifting can pass you in a New York second because it matters how we invest how we steward what God has given us this precious thing that doesn't belong to us and is only given to us for such a short period of time my job as a steward is to wisely invest according to God's principles and giving What we talk about as giving is simply investing. That's really what it is. What are we investing? What are we giving to? The Bible tells us from this story that when we steward our gifts well, when we take what God has given us and then we invest it, we give it to the right things that we will have more to give. Isn't that exciting? That's the principle of the story. The guy with five now has 10. The guy with two now has four. And the guy with one, well, we can assume he would have had two. God doesn't judge us on other people's results. He doesn't judge us on other people's results or returns. The master celebrated equally with the four and with the 10. Isn't that neat? He said the same things. He was so excited for them both. It's not equal giving. It's equal sacrifice. It's equal sacrifice. It's equal stewardship. We all have to go through the exercise of stewardship, which opens the door to generosity. When I invest my time and my energy wisely, hear me, I get abilities. 
If I continue to invest my time, energy, and abilities, it will lead to momentum. And if I invest that momentum wisely, I will have a winning team operating in my life. Time, energy, abilities, momentum. Hello, Philip, right? Acronym. But it's serious. Time, energy, abilities, and momentum. And you may say, well, destiny, that, that doesn't sound very spiritual. It's literally all over Psalms and all over. I was reading a commentary today on this story, and this is what they were talking about, is how deeply ingrained in Jewish culture this concept was of stewardship and of taking what you had and investing it wisely for a return. But here Jesus is talking about understanding that we're not investing our own stuff. We're investing God's stuff. God has laid claim to us, and he has made us steward over what he has given us. And this works in every realm, right? Philip talked about on Sunday, great variety of spiritual gifts that all of us are given. So many different spiritual gifts, hospitality and faith and just all kinds of different spiritual gifts. And we're given them to serve each other. And when we invest time and energy into our gifting, then we have so much more to serve others with. I think about, uh, I think about Dale. I love you, Dale. You're just so awesome. But Dale served on a Navy boat, and, and he cooked breakfast for the captain. And, and he learned how to cook every breakfast there was. He'd never cooked before he got on that Navy boat, but he learned how to cook on the Navy boat. And just Sunday, he had a party for the chambers who were leaving, and we're going to miss you so much, you make me want to cry watching you back there. But anyway, he, we had a going away party for, for the chambers, and he cooked pancakes for everybody. He was able to serve because of the time and energy that he had invested into a gifting. He saw a multiplication of what he had been given, and he was able to be generous because he was a steward. Jenny, I think about Jenny Green taking photos at church. You know, we need photos for all kinds of social media. Everything's a visual kind of world these days. And, and Jenny, one day she picks up a camera at her old church in Florida, and she says, you know what? I'm going to learn how to take, cam- uh, take pictures because there's a need for this. And she starts investing time and energy, and now she's teaching other people how to pick up a camera and to tell the story of God's goodness through the visual arts. It matters how we steward the giftings that God has given us because the more we steward what we have been given, the more that we have to steward and the more that we have to give to the world around us and the more that our world, you know, I love the way that um, the message uh, version of the Bible, it says this one verse, I don't even remember which verse it is, but it says the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller, but the world of the generous gets bigger and bigger. That's a beautiful quote. I thought Brian Houston said it forever, but it's not. It's a paraphrase of the Bible. But isn't it true? The world of the stingy, because when you invest your talent, it gets bigger, and you're able to use it for the kingdom of God. You have the power to choose how to invest. But this is what sometimes happens. Because see, if the, if, the, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you paralyzed and keep you from doing anything. At least that's what I see. 
I just, I'm just waiting on God to tell me exactly what to do. I believe in waiting on God. I believe in the Pentecostal posture of putting your hands up and saying, God, teach me, show me. But I also believe that God gives us a mission and he gave us choices to make and we can't put off on God our inability to make a decision on how to invest our time and our energy so that we can be a blessing to the kingdom of God. Pick something. Pick something. Well, I have 15 talents. Just pick one. (laughs) Ask God, but then pick one. And start putting time and energy into it. And if it's not the right one, switch. You'll know how to make pancakes for the breakfast. (laughs) What about stewarding the message of the gospel? Stewarding the Holy Spirit. See, when we become Christians, we become Christ followers. And and I I would guess that almost everybody in here is a Christ follower because you can't usually get people who aren't all in to come on Wednesday nights. But if you're still deciding, hey, let me tell you, it's the best decision I ever made. But when we became Christ followers, we were given the Holy Spirit and we were given this precious gift of the gospel. And the question is, how do we steward it? What kind of time and energy are we investing in our relationship with our precious Savior? What kind of time and energy are we investing? Or are we investing in, in learning the Word of God, in reading the Word of God, in studying the Word of God, learning to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, learning to, 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 to see Him in, in every situation? What are we doing you know, so many times people will get, um, will, will come to a conversion moment in their life where they decide to become a Christ follower. Oftentimes we call that getting saved colloquially, okay? When they get to that moment. And they're all excited. They're like, woohoo, I'm doing great. And they're so excited. And then they're really disappointed in two months when they crash and burn. Because they haven't had the practical steps of investing. Not every moment. Okay, now I'm going to start praying five minutes a day. Now I'm going to pray ten minutes a day. Now I'm going to pray 30 minutes a day. Now I'm going to pray an hour a day. Oh, man, I memorized 10 scriptures. I memorized 10 words. I said my declaration four days in a row. I begin to steward what God has given me. And this is what happens is that when you begin to steward what you have been given and not rely on supersonic injections of another emotional experience, and instead you rely on the fundamentals and the habits to develop you and to grow you and to give you those muscles, then you begin to see a return on your investment. And there is nothing like a return on your spiritual investment to make you want to invest more. We have a decision. God gives us the Holy Spirit to live within us. He gives us the gospel. But then it's our decision how we will invest it. You know, if you want more to give your family, focus on stewarding. Stewardship is really the key to everything. And let me just say this. Giving until you have nothing left 
and not being wise will leave you with nothing to give. That is not stewardship. It's not stewardship. And it's not the will of God that you walk around in your life completely depleted because you're not putting things in order. Jesus would pull away from the crowd, and he would get time with his father. Jesus would pull away from the crowd just to have rest, just to have a few days off. Jesus would pull away from the crowd and go have fish fries. I'm telling you. Why? Because he knew he had an amount as a human of time and energy, and he wanted to steward it for the important moments. He wanted to make sure that this human, fallible, fleshly body didn't get in the way of the most important mission in the entire world. And we cannot afford to allow any of our life to get out of the will of God in the alignment with God's principles because our mission is too important. We have to learn to steward it. We have to learn to steward it. Sometimes it's easier to just say, I'm not going to steward. I'm, I'm just going to, oh, I'm just, you know, just whatever. It's all fine. Just whatever is fine with me. Yeah, that is easier. You're right. Gosh, I wish I could do that. But how would you feel if, I, if when you walked in here, I just stood up and I was like, whatever. You know, today I just really, I didn't put any time or energy into this message. I, I just decided that, you know, God gave me the, this time and this energy and we'll just, you know, we'll just see what happens. You may say, well, maybe that would be a good idea. I don't like your message very much. <laughs> I had a guy who, um, after we gave away um, all the uniforms, and was that fun or what? I mean, we gave away, if you don't know, if you're new, we got to give away, like, how many uniforms was it, Clarissa? Like, 1,500 uniforms? Okay, we'll say 1,500. It was like 1,500 uniforms. It was, it was so much fun this summer, wasn't it? I mean, it was a blast. And I had a guy come up to me and go, yeah, sure is fun being Santa Claus, isn't it? He was cute. So if it was you, I don't remember who it was. I'm not mad at you. <laughs> he was sweet. And I understood his point. But we weren't just Santa Claus. We didn't just go run a big credit card bill up at Kohl's. Do you know that, that we planned every month of the year starting in January and even before that? We put it in our budget to save, to make sure that we didn't spend too much on this or too much on that, to make sure that we would have an opportunity to be generous, to make sure that we would have an opportunity to do what God had called us to do. Stewardship requires sacrifice. The truth is, is that we have been given all we need. We have been given all that we need. And sometimes we are waiting for the lottery to come through so that we can be generous. I get it. And, and you know, people will say things like this. They'll say, if you won't give 
you know, regularly out of your check. You won't give when the lottery comes through. I don't believe that. I think you probably would. I believe in you. (laughs) But you would miss the blessing that comes from when you understand the full plan. Because generosity isn't just about playing Santa Claus. Generosity is about taking your rightful place as a steward of what you have been given and making decisions that I give generously because I live on and I love big and I protect unity and I honor consistently and I grow intentionally and I embrace discipline. And because of all these other habits in my life, that allow me to make wise decisions on a daily basis. Man, I'm teed up and I'm ready to go and I can give generously the way that God intended me to give. And that's the awesome part at the end of this story is he says, hey, you who have multiplied what you had and you have a lot, you're gonna be given even more. And it seems unfair until you understand that the guy who had one had an opportunity to get more. And the guy who had two had an opportunity to get more. And the guy who had five had an opportunity to get more. Every one of us have an opportunity to steward what we have. And every one of us have an opportunity to give generously. And so we see generosity. When we steward the gift, we have more to give. But true generosity comes from the heart. It comes from the heart. And we see the enemies of stewardship in this story. This is the fun part. Fear. Oh, I'm not going to steward because I'm afraid. I'm afraid of disappointing my master. Hmm. I'd rather not do anything. Really? Anything? I don't think God would be upset if you greeted. I don't think he would be upset if you came up and, like, helped paint a room. I don't think he'd be upset if you passed out some meals at the Shreveport Bozier Rescue Mission or went across the street and brought some cookies to your neighbor. I don't think that he would be upset, and yet fear traps us. I don't know if this is something I'm supposed to do. Let me go ahead and tell you the mission, the mission is go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing creatures, making disciples, creating Christ-centered culture-changing community. It's the mission. It's the mission. And it's something we can do every day. We don't have to wait to get writing on the wall to begin stewarding our life. We don't have to waste three years taking every kind of personality test and gifting test and this kind of test and that kind of test and this kind of counselor and that kind of counselor, which, oh, by the way, I love all those and I've taken them all. No, really, I have. I've taken them all. Love them all. But we don't have to wait. We can steward what we have because as I steward what I have, I get more to steward. And then I get more to steward. And maybe by the time you figure out your life's calling, you'll have a lot to steward and you'll be actually able to walk in your life's calling, right? I get excited about this. Can you tell? 
Fear, fear will rob you of your opportunity to be generous. Fear of not having enough. Fear of messing up. Fear of what other people will think. Fear, fear, fear. Laziness. Laziness. Oh, can I just tell you, I have a really hard time stewarding um, this body that God has given me because I am lazy. I don't want to walk. I don't want to stretch. I mean, I have Italian jeans, so I stay really, really skinny. But don't let that, like, fool you. I am what they call skinny fat, okay? That means that I have no strength in my life. It was really funny. I won't even tell you what my grandmother said about that. She was just mean about it. She works out with, like, a trainer, like, every week. And she was like, do you work out, baby? And I was like, no, Grammy, I don't. She's like, you're just lazy. (laughs) Thanks, Grammy. I'm not calling you lazy if you don't work out four times a week. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we all know that when God's speaking to us to put time and energy into an area and we're not stewarding it well, and we know when we're not doing it just because we're lazy, just because it's easier to dig a hole and shove it in the ground so that we won't mess up. And then there's another thing, and it says wickedness, wickedness, wickedness. That's just simply when we put our way above God's way. That's literally what wickedness is. The Bible says that we should not put any idol above God, right? Wickedness. We have to be careful that it doesn't steal our opportunity to be generous. I only have a couple more points, but I want us just real, really quickly to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Because it says something about generosity from the heart that I I think for some of you, it's going to change the way that you see generosity and it's going to change the way that you see giving. So basically here, Paul is talking to um, Corinth, which is um, a city. He's talking to the believers in that city. That's why it's called Corinthians or the people of Corinth, right? And he is talking to these people about giving to the believers of another city, now, back then, you had these, these cities, and they were rivals the way that nations or ethnicities would be today. And there was a lot of pressure not to give between um, these cities because they're not us. I know we, don't, we just can't even identify, right? But Paul's explaining the principles of giving. And so he, he comes here, and, and he says in verse uh, 3, But I'm sending these brothers... To be sure, you really are ready to give your gift. As I have been telling them and that your money is all collected, I don't want to be wrong in my boasting about you. We would be embarrassed, not to mention your own embarrassment, if some Macedonian believers came with me and found you weren't ready after all I told them. So I thought I would send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready, but I want it to be a willing gift. And I looked up this word, willing gift, and do you know what the meaning is? Generous, generous. not generous gift. Willing gift is literally, I want it to be generous. I want it to be generous. I want this to be generosity, okay? He says, I want this to be a willing gift, not one giving grudgingly. Do you know what grudgingly means there? It means a gift given in anticipation of receiving another gift. It has as a synonym, greedy. 
a greedy gift. And so he says, I don't want it to be, I want it to be a willing gift, not one giving grudgingly. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart. Say that. Decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. A lot of times when we talk about generosity, people get nervous. I mean, you can literally hear some people suck in. Yes, we can hear you. We get nervous because we feel pressure. We feel pressure. We, we feel like everybody's looking at us. But this scripture makes it clear. We shouldn't give of our finances or our time or our energy out of pressure. Instead, we should give generously. Paul explains that a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but one who plants generously will get a generous crop. But generosity isn't described as a number. Rather, it is described as a state of the heart. We see here that they were going to give the same number no matter what. And yet Paul makes this big deal about saying, hey, look, I don't want you to give it in a greedy way. I want you to give it in a generous way. I want your heart to be right. We have to give generously, not greedily. Kingdom of God isn't a Ponzi scheme. We don't put in 10 to get 1,000. In fact, that whole thing about the talents where it says he had five talents and then he got five back, you know, that whole part. Do you know that in another um, area of the Bible, he gets the ten talents, the master takes the ten talents and then says, now you're going to be a ruler over ten cities. In other words, that's not the way that, that the kingdom of God works. Yes, is God generous with us when we are generous? Yes, but that's not why we give. Robert Morris calls it the the spirit of getting, not the spirit of giving. We don't give to get. We give because of what we have been given. And it's a matter of the heart. And that's why Paul tells them to decide in their heart what to give. To decide in their heart what to give. And he sends men to help them prepare in advance to make sure that their gift is a generous gift. Why? Because when we prepare in advance, when we steward our time, when we steward our energy, when we steward our finances, when we steward, when we put things in order, it opens the door for generosity. It opens the door for generosity. Do you see what I'm saying? When we steward things, it opens the door for generosity. But it's a decision. It's a decision. Paul was setting the church at Corinth up for success. And stewardship every time will open the door for generosity in our own lives. And then Paul tells us that God will provide all we need so that we have enough and so that we have enough to share with others. Not only does stewardship open the door for generosity, 
but it opens the door for God's provision too. It opens the door for God's provision too, because if God can trust us with this measure of gift, if God can trust us with this measure of blessing, to be able to live our life in a stewardship way, to live our life according to his principles, to do the daily, not just to do the big thing, then he will continue to bless us so that we can continue to be a blessing. And so we give generously. We give generously. Will you stand with me? I'm going to ask the musicians to come back. We're about to take communion. I'm going to ask our communion team to get ready. You know, one of the things that I absolutely love about communion is it's a reminder of what Christ did for me. What a gift. What a gift. And it's the number one gift. It's the only one that matters. I I remember hearing a story about a woman who was in her 20s. Um, She lived in Thailand, and her family had gotten involved in drug smuggling. It was very lucrative, and, and they just had. They had gotten involved in drug smuggling. She wasn't using drugs, it it, it just was business. She and her family were arrested and she was sentenced to life. Beautiful young Thai girl, early 20s, had a degree, bright future ahead of her. The preachers would come every week to preach um, at her prison and She would never respond, but they came back a few years later. And they saw her, and she was shining. Not only was she involved in the service, but she was helping teach some of the younger believers. They said, what happened to you? And she said, I got the greatest gift. And she said, I know I'm still in prison, and I'll be here the rest of my life but I feel like I'm more free than I ever was on the outside. What we've been given isn't a small thing. It's not an aspect of our life. It's everything. It's the thing that turns prison bars into places of freedom. Right now we're going to have an opportunity to take communion. I'm going to ask those who are passing the elements to go ahead and do that. Anyone who's believed on Jesus and is a Jesus follower is welcome to take communion with us. You don't have to be a member of this church. You just have to believe that Jesus is and that he's the way, the truth, and the life. That his blood is our way into heaven. If we want to be people who give generously, generously, 